Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi, and I am your host. I hope you enjoy this podcast, and if you do, I'd be thrilled if you could support it. My podcast takes time and money to produce. So to support the show, here's what you can do. The first thing to do is to spread the word. Tell your friends that you love this podcast and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts. But if you'd like to take your support one step further, I've designed a collection of products that I'm sure you'll love. You can find them on the Ocean Riders shop. Than the price of a cup of coffee, you can get beautiful surf art inspired greetings cards. I've also created a capsule collection of Ocean Riders t shirts, one standard cut for men, and another very feminine design made of 100% organic cotton and certified fair trade. All the t shirts are super comfy and soft, so I think you'll love wearing them, and I must say, my family and I really do. Last but not least, so you can purchase on theoceanridersshop.com some beautiful wall art to hang up at home too. And all these items are in capsule collections, so you must catch them whilst they last. Head over to theoceanridersshop.com. One last thing, 1% of my sales on the shop will be donated to Surfrider. So buying my merchandise, you'll be making a conscious contribution to our beautiful oceans too. The Ocean Riders podcast wouldn't be possible without the participation of incredible guests, and today's is no exception. She's an amazing human. Her name is Natalie Small, and she is the founder of an oh so groundbreaking nonprofit called Groundswell Community Project. It started out in San Diego, California, and is now taking the world by storm with sister initiatives popping up all over the US and around the world. In fact, you can find Groundswell Community Projects in Peru, Cuba, and even in Scotland. Groundswell Community Projects' purpose is to improve women's lives by helping them overcome PTSD, depression, and other traumatic experiences. And they heal thanks to surfing and the unconditional love of the ocean. Natalie is a surf therapist, and that's what we get to discuss today. At such a young age, Natalie's had an extraordinary life so far, from living on a sailboat for 11 years to bobbing across the world to help women and men overcome trauma. But today she's living a fulfilling life doing what she loves. And in this conversation, we get to know the person behind Groundswell Community Project and get some expert advice about launching and developing your own nonprofit as well. There's some really good tips in this podcast. So without further ado, please welcome Natalie Small. Natalie and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This is really exciting. I know. I know. I can't believe you're in Peru and it's really sunny and it's really hot and I'm in France and it's freezing cold <laughs> and it's getting dark. <laughs> but it's just the wonders of technology. It anyway, is. I guess for the listeners, do you think you could introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Natalie Small. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm the founder of Groundswell Community Project, which is a nonprofit that provides surf therapy programs to help women overcoming depression, anxiety, trauma, um, displacement to dive deeper into self-love, sea love and surf sisterhood together. Wow. And that's a really fascinating project that I hope we'll be able to talk about a bit later on. But what kind of an environment did you grow up in? Have you always surfed? I'm actually I'm from the East Coast. I'm from North Carolina. But every vacation my family did revolved around the ocean. And so my dad's a sailor. And so we would go sailboarding on his like massive 10 foot sailboard on the lakes in North Carolina. (laughs) And then every vacation was around a beach or going sailing. And so the Mother Ocean was always a huge part of where my family came together around to spend time together. And then when I was 10, we moved out to Los Angeles for my dad's job. And it just tore me to pieces. I had never lived in a big city before. I didn't have kids in my neighborhood. I was used to being able to bike to school and climb the trees and have that freedom that goes along with living in a small town on the East Coast to LA where my mom had to drive me to everything and the beach was 45 minutes away and all those things. And so I ball every time that we would fly into LAX and (laughs) wish I just never felt home there. And then once I started driving, I found a couple of guy friends of mine that surfed on the water polo team. And so they took me surfing for my first time. They put me on a shortboard. My dad 
supervised us and came out in his speedo and and swim goggles and completely embarrassed me. And I got zero, like, this is what you're going to do. This is how you pop up in a wave. Just let's go. And we paddled out um, Leo Curio in Los Angeles. And I just got worked. And I came out and just loved it. And so that was like, that was kind of like that spark where I was like, I need to do this more. And so started driving and started going on my own and got my own board. And that was what really helped me find a sense of home in Los Angeles. Um, When all my family was on the East Coast, everything I knew that was familiar was on the East Coast. But the ocean really helped me feel home. Mm. And so from there, instead of like trying to go back to university on the East Coast, I ended up going to university in San Diego and went to Point Loma Nazarene, which is right on the beach. One of my favorite surf breaks in the world. I surfed only there for four years. <laughs> and my surf practice then was much more of a, a solo surf practice. I didn't have or know a lot of girlfriends that surfed as well. And so I'd like try to get my girlfriends to go out with me, but they'd w- wipe out or just weren't feeling it or wasn't their thing. And so I didn't have a lot of like female surf community. Mm-hmm. And so my surf practice was very like just for me. And it was my time to be alone. It was time to like connect to my emotions and to feel at home when you're in college and everything's changing and you're making all these big life decisions and it feels like the end of the world. And then you go surf and you realize like, okay, I'm still here. I can breathe. I can wipe out and I'm going to survive. It's going to be okay. And then, yeah, taught surfing in college for a bit and then went to my master's and surfing was still like my self-love practice. Right. And then after my master's, moved to Argentina, and that was my second time living away, really my first time living away from the ocean. And that was really hard. I thought that I could do it. <laughs> I was there for like a year and a half. And it really helped me recognize like how important Mother Ocean is for me. Mm. Even if it's just looking at her or being near her or putting my feet in her, there's something about looking at the expanse and the abyss of life that she contains that is reinvigorating and re-life giving for me. And so since then, my life has very, very much so flowed with the ocean. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because you said that you lived for 11 years on a sailboat. Now that's really, really interesting. Like (laughs) how much your connection to the ocean is sort of strong. So could you explain sort of what inspired you to stay on living on a boat for such a long time? Yeah. I mean, it was a number of things right out of college. I had been living in homes full of people (laughs) (laughs) and all of my girlfriends from college were either moving across the country or getting married or like moving in with their partners. And I was like, I don't want to go find an apartment to live by myself. Number one, it's really expensive in San Diego. And number two, like I want to feel connected to community. I don't want to be in another bubble and then moving to my car bubble and then to my work bubble. I want to feel connected to nature. And so if I'm going to need to be in San Diego to do my master's, I need to be connected to the ocean. Mm. And this was right after coming back from living in Buenos Aires for a year and a half. And so I was like looking for apartments and just really struggling with that transition of being in a bubble (laughs) and away from nature. And my dad had been talking forever about moving our family back on a sailboat. And my mom wanted nothing to do with it because where would a kitchen table fit on a sailboat (laughs) and where would our couches fit? And so I was chatting with my dad and he was like, well, maybe, maybe we can get a boat together and I, we just don't have to tell your mom. And then that way it won't really be my fault. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went hunting for a boat and found a sweet little 28 foot O'Day sloop that was perfect for one person. And I made her my home and she was the first time I had lived alone. And so there was all those emotions of like learning how to be by myself. I didn't have Wi-Fi. I didn't have television. When I went home to her, I was forced to be with myself. Mm -hmm. And for the first year of that, I like fought it so much. (laughs) (laughs) I would like try everything possible to like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll stay with my girlfriends tonight instead of having to go home. (laughs) Yeah. Just like not wanting to be there because I didn't want to have to face being alone and being by myself and what that comes up and what that brings up. And now she is like at the end of my day, I like can't wait to get back to her. She is Aww. my little sacred space, my fort. <laughs> Everything in her has meaning to me, has come from different journeys and different places in my life and different people that have had meaning for me. And so she's become like 
this container of my heart. Oh, <laughs> and her name is Mi Corazon. Oh. And so it just like, it was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wonderful story. And so was it whilst you were living on your boat and doing your master's and finding your first job and everything, was that at that time that you decided to create Groundswell Community Project? Yeah, within those 11 years, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so within my master's, I got my master's in marriage and family therapy and just knew that I wanted to be a safe space for people to explore themselves and discover their own journeys in their own direction. And so within that, most of the people in my program were going towards private practice and like through my personal experiences and then also through my practicum and internships doing private practice felt so isolating for myself as a therapist and as an individual, but then also for the individuals I was working with. Most of the individuals were struggling from depression, anxiety, eating disorders, social anxiety, different things that like are really isolating mm. mental health conditions and experiences or trauma. And so how are we supposed to heal by ourselves when we are always by ourselves? And that's part of the problem is that especially within our society now, everything is so individualized. Like we go from bubble to bubble. We don't need anybody. We are independent. We are strong, but we do need community. And I think healing traditionally throughout history has been done within community. Mm -hmm. And so being able to bring the community back into the healing process. And so I found myself referring a lot of my clients to the ocean as part of their like therapeutic medicine. And then also referring them to different community groups to try to give them opportunities to connect with others and form those positive relationships and positive connections and recognize that they have something to offer the world as well. And so after a while, I was like, well, this is like, I keep on referring all my clients to the ocean. I should probably just go with them. <laughs> and around that same time, I was also doing art therapy through First Aid Arts. So they're an organization that provides trainings for how to use the arts for people who work with people overcoming trauma. So specifically those that are working in safe houses for sex traffic, for women that are getting out of sex trafficking. And so I was providing trainings for those caretakers and then also eight-week art therapy programs for a group of women in San Diego that were getting out of trafficking. And I was doing our art programs, all of our art modalities, clay work, painting, movement, all that stuff. And they kept on asking me, like, when can you just take us surfing? <laughs> and I was like, surfing's not therapy. <laughs> we have to stick with our art modalities. And then the more I thought about it, I realized that, like, surfing has been, like, one of my most powerful transformative tools and healing tools in my own life. And it is an art form. Mm -hmm. Like, every time you catch a wave, you are creating something. And every wave is a new creation. And you don't have control over that. And it's all about the process. It's not about the end product. There's just so much similarities between art, what we consider art and what we consider surfing. And so I was like, you know what, let's give it a try and see what that feels like. And so one of the local surf shops like suited the girls up with their own wetsuits and let us borrow boards. We brought the girls out to Ocean Beach in San Diego for the first time. And we did the same exact structure as my art therapy program, but with surfing as the art modality. And it was incredible to see these women who were closed off, non-responsive, not engaging with each other or connected to their bodies in the art program, engaging with each other, laughing, smiling for the first time in years, connected to their bodies in a very powerful way, especially for sexual trauma. There's so much disconnect that you have to do in your body in order to stay safe. And so, to, and so many labels that get put on you. And so to be able to learn how to surf and see your body do something that you never thought you would be able to do is just mind blowing. And so, so many women that have gone through our program have said, like, I never in a thousand years thought I'd be able to surf and I just surfed. And if I can do this, imagine what else I can do. And so it just opens up those heart doors of recognizing like all the potential you have within yourself and that it's okay to fall. It's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to have fun. Mm. So I think that's a big piece with working a lot with trauma therapy is that it's so heavy. And all of us have experienced little traumas in our life. And to have to talk about them all the time is heavy. Yeah. And you're reliving them every time you're talking about them. And so our program isn't about talking about your experiences. It's really about embracing the present moment, giving your brain and your body a break from the trauma experience and experiencing this new experience within community 
where you are trying something new, you are experiencing fear, you're experiencing your trauma triggers, but you're also experiencing that you can overcome them and that you can be safe and that you can be brave and that you don't have to do it alone. And so it's just such powerful to see the women that I've been working with for months prior, see this instant shift start happening within them. And so we just shifted everything to the beach. (laughs) And then the next summer, we opened it up to a group of women in a recovery center. And the therapist that had been working with them saw huge shifts from just their emotional regulation and ability to connect with others and ability to find joy in a day to also being able to decrease their medications. Wow. And so it was just huge, powerful shifts. And so finally, two years ago, I was invited to go to the International Surf Therapy Org. And that was the first time that I had been around others that were doing surf therapy. And before that, I was nervous to call it therapy because I'm (laughs) a licensed therapist. I'm like, I don't want to have my license taken away (laughs) because there's all these like BBS codes and all these different boxes that you have to check in order for it to be considered therapy. And so I was really nervous about really speaking into it from a therapeutic lens, even though I knew what we were doing was very therapeutic. And so going to this conference and getting to be around others from all over the world that were doing, they were calling it surf therapy and they weren't licensed therapists. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call this surf therapy. (laughs) I'm just going to roll with it. And if the BBS or a camp gets mad at me, wants to take my license away, we can go to court. And maybe that's what it takes. Lots of times things have to go to court in order for them to become legit. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's not what it takes. We're going through the steps right now to like build the research and do the things to be able to present it to camp mm-hmm. as a like a legitimate therapeutic model. But yeah, so it definitely was a jump of faith mm-hmm. and just knowing that it's working and it is therapy and it's a really powerful new shift for the therapy field. And so it's a really exciting time. What's your favorite story that one of your participants have had with Groundswell Community Project? We actually had one of our participant surf sisters. She had just gone through a divorce, had never learned how to swim. She had been living in the Midwest. Her story was like, she's she's like, I know I'm a mermaid inside and I've never gotten a chance to be (laughs) in the ocean before. And so I'm getting like finally leaving this abusive relationship and I'm going to move to San Diego. She didn't know anybody there. She had no job. She had her daughter and that was it. And they picked up and moved to San Diego and she signed up for our, she's like, I'm going to learn how to surf, but she has like all of these, all of these interior thoughts and fears that go on for her. And so she was taking swimming lessons while she was taking surf lessons. And it was the second to last session. We do an eight week session program Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was the second to last session. And I was with her, like supporting her in the waves. I was like, are you, are you ready to go underneath this one? She's like, okay. And we held our noses and went underneath the wave and she came up and that was the first time she had gone underneath a wave the entire time. She had always kept her head above water, making sure she felt safe. That was her safe place. And so she went underneath the water and came back up and was just like instantly bawling. And my initial reaction was like, oh my gosh, I just like re-traumatized her. Like that wasn't good. But then I like therapy self came and she's like, no, crying's okay. It can be like emoting of a lot of different emotions. And so like sat with her and held her in that space and gave space for her. And when she could finally talk, she was like, I finally felt it. Like I understand why the ocean's so powerful. Like underneath all this chaos of all the white water, there's always calm. Yeah. And underneath like the chaos in my brain and my life and everything that's going on, I can always find that calm as well. And like I started crying. <laughs> I was just like, it's just there's so many powerful life medicines yeah. that you can find in the ocean. And so it's just one of those things that, yeah, you, you're like, oh, I want to learn how to surf. It sounds like a fun sport, but it's not a sport. It's something that completely shifts your life and like where are you choosing to live? Like what you're trying to do for your profession and where you're traveling and all those things start shifting. And she's been doing our surf program. This was her third summer with us doing it. And now she's like standing up and not needing to go in with a life jacket on. 
and just super excited next summer. She's hoping to be a volunteer to be able to support other women that are doing the programs. And so it's just like, Ah, it makes me all like jelly on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> That's not surprising. That's amazing. And I got an email this summer from a lady called Laura Flavin. I don't know if that rings a bell. Yeah. But yeah, she mm-hmm. sent me an email saying, you've got to get Natalie on the podcast because <laughs> she's got a really good project. I must admit, I went off traveling and then I got back and I had a ton of work. So I did, couldn't really catch up with this, but I'm so happy mm. that we're having this conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> and it's been fun because I've been seeing like like different surf sisters that I've known from like different paths of life popping up on your podcast. I'm really? like, oh my gosh, oh, wow. this is beautiful. <laughs> so like Becky Mendoza uh-huh. from Changing Tides Foundation yeah. and then Tracy Lane. Yes. Um, she actually came and did our surf therapy program in Peru last summer. Oh, and we're cool. collaborating now to do something with X Expedition, which mm-hmm. is a all women sailing program. And they sail all yeah. around the world on a 70 foot schooner <gasps> that does like collects ocean trash. And then they go into the local communities and do ocean conservation projects and programs. Wow. That's and so we're looking at doing some projects together in Baja and who knows, maybe sailing in Indonesia. <laughs> maybe oh, Bali. <laughs> that's so, yeah. so it's really exciting to yeah. see the different yeah. ladies that you've had on your podcast. I'm like, ah, such great people out there right now. That's terrific. And so what do you think it is about the ocean that actually unleashes those emotions or those feelings that they didn't unleash when they were in doing art. What do you think was the trigger? I think there's a number of elements to that. So there's like, there's your brain and your body and your spirit or self that are all connected. So if you read Blue Mind's a great book that dives into a lot of the brain science and the chemical, like the neurology of our bodies on ocean and brains on ocean. But I think one of the elements specifically that I see often with our surf sisters who are overcoming traumas is that every wave is kind of like a mini trauma. Mm -hmm. And so our brains are literally getting to relearn. And so when trauma happens, I'm going to have to use my hands. (laughs) (laughs) So when trauma happens, like when we're born, our neurological pathways are all connected and they're flowing together. Everything's like flowing. And then when trauma happens, our brain's like, well, I don't want that to ever happen again. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to make blocks to keep that situation, that experience from happening again. And so our neurological pathways shift in order to keep that thing from happening. And then once we experience, so let's say there were chocolate chip cookies that were baking during sexual trauma. And so the smell of chocolate chips might be a trigger for you because that was a sensory experience that was happening during a traumatic experience. And so our brains may be like, oh, chocolate chip cookies, danger. And so you might throw up, you might have a panic attack and you're like, why am I having a panic attack? What's going on? Cause it's not during trauma, our brain, our like thinking brain goes off and our mm-hmm. animal survival brain kicks in to keep mm-hmm. us safe. And so basically when we're surfing, all of our senses are being not attacked, but mm-hmm. engaged. <laughs> so we have the sense of touch. We have the sense of smell. We have the sense of taste. We have the sense of sound the sense of sight, like everything is being engaged in a really strong way. And so when all of our senses are engaged into the present moment, we're no longer able to fly to a traumatic experience. And then when we do fly there, we have those senses of the ocean to help bring us back. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and every single little wave is like this little trauma that happens of like, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fail, I'm not good enough. All those insecurities and all those different fear thoughts pop into our brain but then we fall and it's okay. And so where our brain is learning like, Hey, I am safe. I can fall. I can fail. I am enough. And it's able to regrow those neurological pathways in a way that's going to flow again. That's going to allow you to like fully be yourself rather than not being able to go into someone's home because they're cooking chocolate chip cookies. And so it seems so like, what does surfing have to do with a sexual trauma it has everything to do with that healing process because our brain wants to heal. Our brain wants to keep us safe. And so it just needs to learn that we are safe in order to heal. Mm. And so I think that's one of the biggest pieces and feedbacks that I get from a lot of our participants is that that element of like, I am being triggered. It's not like I'm not experiencing any triggers. I'm not experiencing any fears or self doubts or any negative thoughts. Those things are happening, but I'm flowing through them. Mm. And I'm overcoming them. And then I'm going back and doing it again. Mm. And so you're constantly like retraining your brain to remember and realize that I am okay. 
and then specifically with sexual trauma, to be able to turn your body from something that's been a sexualized object to something that's strong and powerful and capable is extremely powerful. And so you're reconnecting your brain with your body and not just any body, but a strong, powerful, full of possibilities body. And so there's tons of stuff, <laughs> but those are two of like the big ones the big that ones, come yeah. out from the experience. That's fascinating. Mm. And so how many of your participants actually become regular surfers? Do they sort of adopt the surfing lifestyle after they finished a, a session or, or a course with you? Yes, that's <laughs> our goal. And so the goal is that this isn't, because that was one of my struggles with private practice therapy as well, is that you see a client and then they leave. And so it's like, what tools have they been able to go away with? And so with surfing, this is a lifetime practice. Mm. And so our goal isn't, we tell them from the very beginning, our goal isn't to make you a professional surfer. Our goal is to make sure that you have the skills and the tools that you need in order to keep getting in and to keep your practice going and to have your practice be a practice of self-love and sea love and sisterhood, not just a new sport that I can check off my list. And so that's why we do an eight-week program where women are coming once a week for eight weeks and getting to go through like all the different elements of being in the ocean, being with a board, forming that relationship with Mother Ocean, forming a relationship with your surfboard and with your body. So by the end of those eight weeks, they have like a full toolbox to have a surf practice of their own. And then we do weekly paddle outs and we have once a month women and wave events to bring the community together outside of the ocean because we've noticed all of the, or one of the pieces that I really love is that all of the women, every woman, every person has something to give the world. And so by our women and wave events, we invite the surf sisters that have gone through our programs to recognize like, what are the gifts that I have? What are the things that I use for self-love outside of surfing? And how can I share those with the community? And so we've had women do vision boarding classes, acro yoga classes, um, how to paint waves workshops, all different types of workshops of what the women in our community like what they love and what they would like to share. And that's like one of the highest levels of in the positive psychology happiness scale (laughs) is recognizing that you have something to give and then giving it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the elements, like when you're depressed, you don't feel like you have anything to offer the world. And when you recognize that you do have something to offer the world, you can find happiness and you want to share it. And so at the end of our eight week sessions, we do our final day, is a surf and service day and we all get together and we share our stoke with another community. And for the last three summers, it's been with a community of teenage girls that are refugees from Syria. Wow. And so we do a surf day with them and bring them to the beach and share with them our stoke for the mother ocean and get to surf with them. And two of the girls are turning 18 this year. So they're going to be able to join our eight week session this next summer, which is really exciting to have them to come join us for a full session. That's excellent. My, my mind is absolutely blown by the amount of creativity and the amount of, you know, how you've actually understood the whole kind of, how you've applied the whole sort of principles of community and sort of taking it further than just the, the therapy sessions and that the women can actually meet each other again. And that must be such a blessing for all the the ladies that participate. That's fantastic. And so what is it from your experience, what is it with women surfing that actually brings something special to the lineup? Because with Surf Sisters, we're talking about Surf Sisters. Mm -hmm. Is it something special with women that you like to work with as well? Yes. One place I'll start. Well, I'm in Peru right now. And so we also run programs in Peru. And my first experience in, in Huanchaco, Peru, I was paddling out every day and the only, occasionally there would be other expat women in the water, but I didn't see a single local woman surfing. There was lots of men surfing, local men surfing, but I didn't see a single local woman surfing. And I was like, where, where are the women at? Like this is, Monchaco is the birthplace of surfing. It has a really rich historical connection to mother ocean. They have their own word for her, Mama Cocha. And there's a burial site of a mummified queen witch that they have that you can go and visit. And so there's so much rich feminine culture and rich ocean culture here. And then the ocean is also the dirtiest ocean I've ever surfed in. And so I've, I've never gotten sick from surfing before. And here I got sick from surfing. And so there's a huge like disconnect between that like caretaking mother ocean Mm -hmm. and humanity. And so being able to making mother ocean accessible again to local women 
and that's like reconnecting them with their roots and with their culture and with their story. And when you reconnect with mother ocean, there's nothing else. Like you can't imagine not wanting to save her and keep her clean and make her surfable for generations to come. And I think like there's so much power in the ocean and there's with the moon and her tides, there's so much feminine connection with that. And that's actually one of the things that we talk about in our programs is our tides and her tides and her flow and our flow and her connection to the moon and our body's connection to the moon and how our bodies are the same percentage of salt water as the earth is percentage of salt water. And the same salinity of the ocean is the same salinity that we spent nine months in, in the womb. And so there's so many beautiful, like, connection metaphors that come along with the ocean. And so to be able to call her mother ocean gives the sense of like, we're literally coming home when we go to her, just like we would be going back into the womb. We are going back to her. And so being able to create a safe, brave space, we are recognized that they do belong out there as well. And I've had many of my guy surf friends say that they appreciate it when women are out there because we bring in a femininity, a balance to the lineup. And so I think there's like surfing has been like many sports, it's become a competitive sport. And so there's a lot of those classic characteristics that come along with competitiveness. And you even see it in the business world. The business world used to be much more like levels and competitive and tearing each other down. And now there's more women in the business world. And so there's more of like that circular connection of let's Mm. pull each other up. And it's the same with the surf world. I think there's a lot more recognition of the ocean being a healing tool and a community space rather than just something to conquer. And so I think that feminine energy needs the masculine energy and the masculine energy needs the feminine energy. And so to be able to balance the lineup is also inviting balance into our lives on land as well. It's fun to get to see that that balance playing out. Like as more women are surfing, there's also more women in the workplace and we're creating more balance in the world, in the feminine and masculine, rather than it being one, like weighted on one side or the other. That's beautiful. And it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's lovely. And so what do you think about the representation of women in surfing at the moment? Is that something that kind of bothers you? It actually really excites me because I see a lot of change happening. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it was three years ago was the first big wave women surf contest. When that happened, I was like, wait, we don't already have one? (laughs) (laughs) I assumed that we were already surfing big waves and getting and doing contests for that. So I was just like mind blown that that wasn't happening yet. I think it was last year there became equal pay in surf contests for men and women. I'm like, wait, really? We didn't already have that? (laughs) So I think I've just always assumed (laughs) that like the ocean sees us all as the same. And so we must all be the same out there. And I forget that there's still like our cultural norms that get pulled out there at times. And so seeing women stepping up and women in the surf world stepping up and doing the like making things equal in the ocean. And that just bleeds into how things happen on land as well. It's really exciting. I mean, you can even see at Target, the bathing suits at Target are more for people being active now rather than just like sitting on the beach and not moving. And so like I legitimately like buy a handful of Target bathing suits and surf in them and expect my boobs not to pop out. Yeah. And so it's great. <laughs> so there are like cultural shifts that are happening. And I think that comes because like I preach all the time, our dollar is our strongest vote. And so if we are wanting to vote for a clean ocean, we need to be conscious consumers and putting our dollars towards companies and organizations that are doing that. Mm. And so from where we buy our food and what we're buying from the clothes we buy, like all that sort of stuff is an opportunity to vote for like balance of feminine and masculine and for ocean conservation. And so it's, I think it's a really exciting time of shift and change. One of our first surf therapy trips was, and actually one of the things that like spurred Groundswell becoming a nonprofit was I went to Cuba originally just to like go. Cause I was like, they're going to open the gates. I need to get there before it gets changed and infiltrated by the United States. <laughs> and all of a sudden I had like seven other girlfriends that wanted to come as well. And so I was like, well, we'll make a big trip out of it. And whenever I travel anywhere, I always try to reach out to local surfers and see if there's any ways that I can help out or support them in anything. And the president of the Cuba surf club was a woman and she was one of the only women that were surfing out there. And she's also going back to school to work with kids with disabilities and she is a dolphin trainer. And so she was bringing kids with different disabilities to interact with the dolphins and swim with the dolphins. And she was using her surfboard in order to do it after aquarium hours 
And she was worried that if she went and surfed, because the break in Havana is pretty gnarly. She's like, if I go surf and I break the board, then I won't be able to bring the kids into the water with the dolphins. And it's so therapeutic for them. And so I could really use another surfboard. (laughs) Yeah, of course we can do that. And so we came and we brought surfboards and gear specifically for women and taught her how to teach surfing. So that way she could teach new girls and the new generation of like female surfers in Peru or in Cuba. And it's been like that sisterhood and that bond that happened there was just so powerful. Like we don't speak the same language. We have completely different cultural upbringings and experiences, but yet the language of surf and the language of mother ocean connected us beyond any language possible. And the guys there were sharing how they don't have any surf culture or surf infiltration of like surf media stuff. And so they've really created it all themselves. And to them, the guys there, when they see a woman surfing, they think badass. They think <laughs> that woman is a revolutionary. That woman is like striking out and walking her own path. She is going against the grind. She is one badass lady. <laughs> and so there's no like, oh, it's all about the butt shot or like the cute bikini or like there's no sex appeal when it comes to surfing in Cuba. <laughs> and so it, they really like getting to see into that mindset of like, yeah, every time she paddles out, she's a badass because it's not easy. And <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of guys that wouldn't paddle out because it was a very hairy break. And so to get to reframe women surfing as like women taking that step of doing something for themselves and standing up for who they are and needing to like go and take up space in the world. I think that's really more of what I see surfing as and where it's growing towards rather than like the sexualized centerfold butt ad. So (laughs) (laughs) actually it's a really good transition because right now you're partnering with Patagonia and Mm -hmm. donations will be doubled by Patagonia. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's super exciting. We got a grant from Patagonia last year. We do November, we do no plastic November. And so we invite everyone to give up one plastic or all types of plastic for the whole month of November, kind of like a -a jogathon. And so you invite your community to donate a dollar or two or whatever for all the days that you go plastic free. And the goal of that is after 30 days, you've created a habit. And so it's difficult to go back to using that plastic after you've created a lifestyle around not using it. So the idea is to create long-term change. And so Patagonia supported us in launching that project. And they've just, they're an amazing company, like really carving the way of how companies can make quality products in a quality way. And so, so yeah, so it's really exciting to have them doing that match. And our hope with the match is to be able to raise the funds to train some of the first women surf instructors in Manchaco, Peru. And so right now, all the local surf instructors are men. And so to be able to train local girls that they have the skills, they have the confidence, they have the ability to do this. And now they have a career opportunity because um, that's the, really the main industry in Wamchaco is the surf industry. And so for girls and women to recognize like, oh, not only do I belong out there, not only can I have fun out there, but yeah, I can be an instructor and I can be a leader and I can support my family in, by doing this. And so that's our hope is to be able to raise the funds to provide the ESA level one surf instructor certificate for them. And then to be able to keep the Groundswell Casita open year round. And so that's hiring local women to run the Casita. So that way the local girls and women have free access to boards and gear and surf community throughout the year. Wow! So that's our hope. Ah, it's exciting. This, is so, this is so exciting. That's amazing. And so maybe we can sort of transition to actually sort of starting a non-profit and managing a non-profit. And I just wanted to know what sort of, if you could walk us through a day in the life of somebody who's created a non-profit such as yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what does that involve? Well, I like to compare it to giving birth. I haven't given birth <laughs> to a human child yet, but from like spending time with my girlfriends and the women in my life who have done that, that's what the process has felt like to me. Literally, I was working at a homeless shelter as a social worker, and all of the women in the shelter that I was working with um, were asking for their maternity leave because everyone was getting pregnant. And I was like, well, I'm not getting pregnant, but I am birthing this project, (laughs) and I need time. (laughs) Like, it is consuming all of me, and I need time to, like, take care of it and to nurture it and to let it grow. And they're like, no, that's not a medical disability. You can't have your maternity leave. Like, okay, well, I'm going to (laughs) quit. And... I'll be gone for three months. And they're like, if you want to come back in three months, you can come back. 
And so I gave myself three months to really just dive into it and birth her and go through the whole, like all the paperwork process of that and forming support and the curriculum and the programming. And then all my educational background is in psychology. So I've not taken a single business class, no finance classes. I have zero education in how to do this. (laughs) (laughs) So it was literally me just calling up different people and be like, Hey, how have you done this? And I'm sure that's similar to how lots of moms feel like, what's going on? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> like this thing is crying and I don't know how to make it stop. And so that was my, my birthing process took all of me, like 100% of me, my family and friends can contest to that, that I, I was breathing and that was my blood. That mm-hmm. was my life. And so about a year and a half, two years into it, I had gotten a part-time job at working on a private practice again and was working on boats. I'm a sailboat captain and then I'm also a stew and chef. And so I was working on a couple of local yachts, cooking and then captaining a boat and then working in a private practice and then working at a restaurant and then doing the nonprofit. And so just like doing all the things I needed to do in order to make the funds I needed in order to start a nonprofit. Hmm. And I don't have a cultural custom of asking for money. So in my mind is like, I need to, it needs to come from my pocket. Uh Um, I don't feel comfortable asking other people to support something until like I can feel really confident in where it's going and its trajectory. And so I consider that like, yeah, it was in its infancy years. (laughs) And then this past summer was the first summer that I felt like she didn't need my breast milk anymore. I could leave her with a babysitter And I could start letting other people breathe into her and give her love and support and breathe their creativity and their ideas into her as well. And so I trained local therapists and surf instructors how to co-facilitate and use the curriculum that I had built and took everything that was inside of me and put it on paper, which was the scariest thing ever, and then (laughs) gave it to somebody else to let them run programs. And it worked. We got the same feedback, the same like inspirations and healing processes that the women had experienced when I was running the program to when the facilitators that I had trained were running the program. And so I, yeah, it was really exciting and gave me confidence. Like, okay, my child is like, she's a toddler. She's learning how to walk on her own. I can leave her with babysitter. She's going to survive. She doesn't need me in the same way that she needed me in the infancy stages. And so now I can start having more time for myself. <laughs> so I found love and I just got married <laughs> oh, <congratulations. laughs> and I'm able to like start my own family in that way. And I'm able to invest more time in my family and my friends and do things outside of groundswell yeah. and invest back in my community again. And so my hope for this next year is to be able to continue that growth. And for me, everyone's like, isn't that really scary to give your, like, it's your baby over to other people. And for me, it's like, no, this is exciting. This means that it's going to get to grow beyond me. And it's like the saying, like it takes a village to raise a child. And I think it takes a village to raise a a ground spell. It takes a village (laughs) to raise a nonprofit. And so for those that are looking at starting a nonprofit, like there are so many people that have done it before. And so you don't have to do it alone. And so don't be afraid to ask questions and to reach out and to, yeah, welcome people's help and support because you don't have to be the expert at everything and you're going to wear like all the different hats just like a mom does yeah. with their child. And so, yeah, I felt like I was a single mom for a while. And <laughs> then I realized I have a whole community that wants to help me raise this child as well. And how much more beautiful she is going to be because other people are breathing into her rather than it just being me. Yeah. And so it's a really, it's a really exciting process oh, and very scary at times, lots of tears and lots of laughter <laughs> and lots of just like meeting amazing people along the way, interviewed a handful of them as well. So it's been really fun to see like all these different, this web of like just badass women that have all come together through all their different nonprofits and programs and organizations and businesses and, and how everyone really comes together to lift each other up. Mm. And so I think it's a really exciting time. Yeah, that's lovely. And I'm just sort of so happy for you that it's really sort of expanding. And I saw on your website, you see taking your therapy courses all the way to Scotland. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know how they do it. (laughs) I went out there to do like the initial training um, and help them get set up and surf with them. I was like, we don't even run our programs in San Diego in the winter because it's too cold. (laughs) And they're running theirs year round. Sally is just such a beautiful soul. And 
like such serendipitous connection of how we ended up coming together as well. And it's just really exciting. Yeah, there's been so many women from around the world being like, hey, I like this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I don't know how to get it started. I don't know like what curriculum to use. And now Groundswell can be that tool for other women to be able to bring this to their communities. And so it's, yeah, (laughs) it brings you all. That's really good. Well done. And so how can we help as listeners to sort of join in or help you guys out somehow? Yeah. I mean, you can definitely donate, especially for the month of December. Patagonia is going to be matching those donations. So that's like a double wave of love. (laughs) And then if you are in any of the locations that we have programs, so up and down the coast of California, San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Santa Barbara, we're looking at starting a branch on the East Coast, are in Cuba, Peru, Scotland, and we're looking at starting something in Spain. And so just being able to, wherever you are, see if you can volunteer. The more Surf Sisters, the better. Um, and it's all about building that community. And so get involved. You can come join us in Peru. Our Surf Sister summer camps start in January and run through February. So that's a great opportunity to get involved and experience the community in action. So are you hiring volunteers and sort of looking for participants? What's the setup? Yeah. So we have volunteers who are surf sisters that have already begun their surf practice. And then participants are surf sisters who are looking to start their surf practice. Right. And so we really see that whether you're a participant, a volunteer or a facilitator, we are all on our healing journey. And so just because you already know how to surf doesn't mean that you've got all your shit together. (laughs) We're all in our healing journey from overcoming different traumas to addictions, abuse, depression, anxiety, or just needing community and support. And so we all join in the process together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so whether you know how to surf or have never swam before, there is a place for everyone in the ocean with us. And so, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So how can we get hold of you? What's the website and social media handles? www.groundswellcommunity.org. Instagram is Groundswell Community Project as well. And then Facebook, Groundswell Community Project. (laughs) So Groundswell Community Project. (laughs) Type it in and you'll find us on one of the things. Okay. (laughs) Before we park the bus here, I have four sentences that I love to ask my guests because there are some often some really beautiful answers. And um, it's just four sentences to finish. So the first sentence would be, I love... Hmm. I love a good wipeout. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. It helps like snap me out of everything, out of all my like busy head space. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) How about I miss? Hmm. Well, I guess I'm in Peru right now and we're about to have our like family and friends wedding. We just did our civil wedding. We're about to do our community wedding. And so I think right now I'm really missing having my community and family from the States here. Hmm. And so... I understand. How about I wish? I wish that every woman, no matter where they are, has the opportunity to experience Mother Ocean and to find a real sense of community and belonging and knowing that they deserve to take up space in this world. Lovely. And the last one is I want. I want those and all of us that are overcoming hard things and healing from traumas to be able to go through that journey and that process with joy and being able to find joy through that process. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a lovely way to conclude this interview. And it's been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to spend this little hour with me. It has been a, a real honor to meet you, Natalie. <laughs> Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. Same as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Well, take care. We'll go to groundswellcommunityproject.org and all the social media as well to give you a helping hand and donations. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All then. of the waves of love. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Thank you very much. See you. Wow, that was such an inspiring conversation. I can't believe how much Natalie has achieved in so little time and the impact her project is having on women's lives. It's truly remarkable. As Natalie was saying during her conversation, if you feel like donating for the whole month of December, this is the time, Patagonia is matching donations. So by the time this podcast drops, you've still got a week left. 
I love the way Natalie has treated her project like a baby, the patience it requires to set something like the Groundswell Community Project up. I also think that the fact that she took the time to create the tools to support her therapy was a genius move and it's helping spread to other countries and continents at a really rapid rate. It's really important when you're building a non-profit or even a business to actually create the tools and procedures to give it a life of its own, even when you're not around. That'll definitely avoid you going into burnout and help your project grow even faster. And this is probably how Natalie is now managing to make this podcast today from a wonderful location in Huanchaco, Peru, opposite one of the best breaks in the country. It's wonderful also to see how many interesting and eclectic jobs rise from the passion of surfing. That's what this show is all about. And if you're interested in finding out more about the healing properties of the ocean, you could also be interested in my conversation with Alexandra Leah in episode 30 that came out this summer. She shares her very moving healing story. Anyway, back to Natalie. To connect with Natalie and support Groundswell Community Project, you can head over to their website, groundswellcommunityproject.org, or Facebook page and Instagram account at Groundswell Community Project. All the links will be available on my website, theoceanriderspodcast.com, and you'll find links, transcripts, quotes, and photos of Natalie with her participants on the website, and all the show notes are also in your podcast app. Thank you guys for listening to the Ocean Riders podcast. I'm truly thrilled to know that you're listening and don't hesitate to join in the conversation on social media. You can join me on Instagram at the Ocean Riders podcast and on Facebook at the Ocean Riders podcast. I've also created a Facebook group that everybody's welcome to join called the Ocean Riders community. So just check that out online. Links to it are in the show notes and Also, if you have a project, a profession or something surf related you'd like to share on this podcast, you can join me for a chat. Just please send me an email to hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com and I'll get back to you very shortly to set up a conversation. One last thing, I'd like to thank my podcast editor, Leng Inke. She's an amazing help. She puts together my show notes. She makes awesome podcast editing and makes my life so much easier. So really, from the bottom of my heart, Leng, thank you ever so much. I I don't know what I'd do without you. I'm taking a few weeks off now. So the next episode will be back on Monday, the 12th of January with another awesome guest who's busting the surfing stereotype. In the meantime, I wish you all a lovely holiday season and the best new year ever filled with waves of love. Take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.